Maryville, Gainesville. It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. I want you to turn with me today to the book of Habakkuk. It's an interesting minor prophet, the book of Habakkuk. And I'll let you find it. <clears throat> I'll make it too easy for you. Uh, talking to a Christian the other day and he said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? Or yesterday or a few days ago. So what are you preaching on Sunday? I said, I'll probably preach out of Habakkuk. I believe the Lord's led me to a message there. And he goes, Habakkuk? Never heard of it. So uh, a lot of times we overlook the minor prophets and even the Old Testament. They're all important. They're not there for no reason. They're all very relevant to the day that we live in. How I came to this, along to this message today, this past week I was out in some of my woodland wanderings. And it's always neat this time of year because you start seeing... You'll see the regular deer tracks, but you'll see the little tiny hoof prints. The babies are here, the little fawns, and I see those, and uh, it always amazes me, you know, those little little fellows can be born and live. They've got so much against them from the time they're born. You know, they're born without scent, and they lay motionless, uh, so predators cannot pick up where they're at. Some of them do perish, but... A uh, lot more of them than you realize live, and it's just so neat to see them with their moms later on and see them go from having those spots to, uh, you know, uh, not having spots. And, and uh, Katie, I'll tell Katie about it, and Katie's got a name for all animals. So she says, oh, Charles is here. So she's named the baby deer Charles. So... Uh, and then a couple years ago, I ran down and caught a little baby coyote pup probably never do that again and uh, picked it up and looked at it didn't have any teeth in his mouth it's still on milk so I told Katie about it she goes oh that's Ronald so we got Ronald and Charles and squirrels are Simon uh, she loves animals but so I'm sitting in the deer stand or out hunting you know in the fall and winter and I see a deer come up and I'm like do I shoot that one or is that Charles so uh, but anyway <clears throat> she's doing what Adam did in the garden amen naming those animals but he gave them the, the the real names but anyway i i love to see that and you know though you look at those tiny little tracks it's almost like a, a human baby which is obviously much more important god's image but to see those little tracks you wonder you know how will that grow up to be a buck you know was that a doe uh will she have twins like you know this this doe has one of you see a lot of twins sometimes you'll see triplets you know, will they survive? Will it be one that I'll, I'll put in the freezer one day? Uh, you know, because I firmly believe that some bucks are unkillable. I believe that some are unkillable, and I believe that others uh, are not. But I got to thinking about that and think about along the lines of how much they've got against them out there, coyotes and hunters and, uh, you know, even bobcats. Uh, you know, even a, a big boar coon sometimes will, will get a fawn and eat it. Uh, so much they have against them, the disease that they can get. Uh, there's a disease coming out of the Northwest now called CWD that uh, is, is affecting the deer. And it's been found in Northwest Alabama. And I hope it don't get here, but it probably will, and it decimates deer herds. So, uh, you know, all those things. You look at what's against them, and uh, the reason I go to Habakkuk is is because what Habakkuk realized was the key after he had dealt with God. So if you'll look with me at the uh, first part of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, let me give you a little background. Habakkuk was a prophet. 
that was a little unique in, as far as prophets go. He questioned God. He had a discourse with God, and he just put God on the spot and asked him, God, why do the wicked, why do the wicked seem to flourish? Why does it seem like evil is gaining ground and that injustice is unfettered? Why does it seem like all these things are happening, and yet the remnant, the few good people, and when I say good people, Christians are believers in Yahweh, for us, believers in Yahweh through faith and a saving faith in Jesus Christ, why do they suffer? Why does it seem like they get the last of everything? Why does it seem like, God, you are not at work? I think if we could have a candid conversation with God, and we, you know, after we thanked him, hopefully first, for all the things that he's blessed us with, we would ask him some questions. God, why does so many babies have to perish with abortion? Why do we have to see good people suffer? Why do we have to, why does it seem like in our nation today that the rule of law is getting weaker and weaker, that evil people are almost rewarded for the evil things that they do? And it seems like well, the good people miss out. Well, Habakkuk asked those questions. And I guess if we could, you know, have a conversation with God and we got candid with him, we would too. We would ask those questions. God, why am I going through this? Why do I have this job that's so oppressive, you know, or, or, or so hostile now toward my beliefs? Why are we seeing injustices on every hand? Well, Habakkuk was ministering in a time that Israel, the Hebrew people, were in their last days as a nation. In other words, the nation was in, their de was in its death throes. There was so much wickedness, there was so much rebellion against God that the nation was collapsing. And Habakkuk saw all these things, and he was wondering, God, why don't you go ahead and act to right these wrongs? Why don't you get with it, so to speak, and do what you say you'll do? So God, being long-suffering and loving his creation, uh, you know, us, made in his image, had an answer for Habakkuk. So let's pick up with the first verse of Habakkuk chapter 1. It's only three chapters, but this is a fantastically wonderful, beautiful book. It says, The oracle of God which Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And thou will not hear. O cry to thee, violence, and thou will not save. Why dost thou make me see wrongs and look upon trouble? It's like us reading the headlines today, isn't it? You read about all the terrible, crazy things happening. You know, as the school year starts, we, we worry about the classrooms. We worry about the quality of our leadership. We worry about our children that are there learning. But what number one, what are they learning, and, and are they going to be safe in that classroom? It's really a terrible place to be. So we wonder, God, what are you doing here? Why aren't you acting? Why, why do innocent people get hurt? And then going on down uh, in verse 4, so he says, So the law is slacked, and justice never goes forth. And not only is he talking about the local law and the law of man, but he's talking about God's law. You know, how could God allow these things to happen? If he's righteous and he's just and he's loving, why do good people suffer? That's probably the greatest question when we deal with God and when we talk uh, theologically is the issue of suffering. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote 
about those things and death and all those things. Why? Well, we understand sin, hopefully, but we understand what God has done to right that wrong through his mercy and grace. So Habakkuk goes on and says, The law is slacked, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Do you ever feel like you're surrounded by people who have no clue or no respect or no regard for the things of God? Well, if you haven't, I'll go ahead and let you in on a little secret. You are surrounded mainly by people who don't believe, will not believe, and don't care to believe. That's why us being together here on Sunday mornings is so vitally important. We may not always agree with each other, but we are blood kin under the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. That's why I want to be here, because I go all week, you know, in my job, and, and going here and there and wherever I may go, uh, hearing terrible things, seeing terrible things, you know, dealing with, with uh, all the things that we've talked about in the, the weeks preceding that we're dealing with, it's draining. It's tough. It can depress you. It can uh, cause you to, to, to want to go lock yourself up somewhere and say, Lord, I'm here. Come on ahead and go get me. Well, it don't work that way. And Habakkuk would learn that. So he says, God, why do, why do wicked people seem to get slapped on the wrist? We see that today in our legal system. Our legal system is overwhelmed. Yeah, uh, and, and people who do terrible things now just get a little, a little slap on the wrist and sent out. But if you go out and hurt an animal or, you know, do something like that, which you shouldn't, but, uh, you know, you're getting a whole lot more trouble. That's how perverted things are nowadays in our nation. So Habakkuk was dealing with those things. He was, his patience was running short. He saw the people reject Time after time's God's call to repentance. Uh, and that's exactly where we find ourselves today. God, had, for the last decades, has shaken us and is trying to get us to turn back to him. Well, it's not working. We're running away from him faster as a collective nation. So the sentences as a punishment will probably get a little more severe. But going back to Habakkuk, uh, he says, it, God says, okay, Habakkuk, I'll tell you. He says, look among the nations. And this will apply for us today too. Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. Because what he's telling Habakkuk is, I am uh, leading or overseeing or controlling every action of every nation to bring about my will and bring about my purpose. And we see that today. We see that today, and, and we could go off on another sermon on that. We won't do that. We see that today, obviously, with Israel. We see that today with the enemies of Israel that are mentioned in prophecy. We see that today with the gospel going out to all nations. You know, the gospel's reaching more and more people, even primitive civilizations in the Amazon. The gospel's going out. Once the gospel has been preached to all nations, and that last soul has been saved, by their belief in Christ, then the end will come, the scriptures tell us. So God says, okay, look at the nations and look what I'm doing. I am in charge of everything that is going on. And you look at what's going on in Ukraine and you go, how can so many innocent people be, lose their lives and be caught up in the aggression of one man? Well, God's in control of that. God is using that to once and for all deal with sin and evil. Once and for all to put Satan in his place 
Remember last week we talked about God wins. Well, he's got to do a lot of things on a national level, uh, on a spiritual level, on every level that you can think of within creation and in the cosmos to make it all right. He is righteous and he is perfect in all that he does and in ways that we can't understand. We are so limited in how we see things and how we perceive things and I know I am too and I have these questions well I get aggravated sometimes you know I go to work and I work fairly hard uh, drink a lot of coffee and do a lot of talking but I work and uh, you know you, you struggle these days to make ends meet you struggle uh, to take care of these things and then you see people that wouldn't uh, you know squirt water on you if you was on fire that are that evil and that wicked that, that have, seem to have everything. Well, let me tell you something. If they don't get it right, that's very temporary. And that ain't going to bring them any eternal uh, peace. Amen? I'd rather either enter heaven as a poor pauper like, the, uh, like uh, uh, Lazarus did than enter hell with a world as my silver plate, if you want to put it that way. Amen? Because what's in this world just don't matter for very long. And we don't understand why God does what he does, but what I'm trying to get across to you today is that God's doing something. Everything is okay. Everything's right where God says it ought to be at this time. And Habakkuk would learn this from God. He says, Habakkuk, look at the nations. And, and in Habakkuk's day, there was a horribly pagan, evil, brutal nation just to the east called Babylon, the Chaldeans. And they were terrible people. They, they, they could not be matched in their military might. You had a fortified city, they'd build an earthen ramp and just go over the walls. They were, were awfully terrible people. So God says, look at the nations. And I'm sure at that point there was some rumblings of invasion going on from Babylon. He said uh, in verse 5, Habakkuk, I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. If we could see and understand the full plan of God, I, well, understand is not the right word there, but if we could see the full plan of God, we wouldn't believe it. We'd look out and go, what? We, we couldn't understand it, is what uh, God is telling Habakkuk. God's ways are so much higher than man's ways, Isaiah 55. God's ways are so much higher than man's ways. And that's what God is telling Habakkuk here. He's saying, Habakkuk, I got this. I'm God, and, and he would learn from that. He says, I am rousing the Chaldeans, also known as the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize habitations not their own. Dread and terrible are they. Their justice and dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Yea, their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. Terror of them goes before them. They gather captives like sand. At kings they laugh, and of rulers they make sport. They laugh at every fortress, for they heap up earth and take it. See, I told you the truth on that. But they heap up earth and they take it. They sweep like in like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. He's saying they have some earthly might just for a little while. I'm going to use that to get the attention, Habakkuk, of your people. Now that 
scared Habakkuk to death. Uh, he says, wait a minute, God, in verse 12, he says, God, aren't you from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them as a judgment, and thou, O rock, hast established them for chastisement. Thou who art of pure eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on wrong, why do you look on faithless men? Why do you look on faithless men and are silent when the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he? Habakkuk was tired and impatient of dealing with evil men, even the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, even the men within Israel who preyed on the, on the sheep, so to speak, the, the wolves in sheep's clothing. He says, God, why are, you, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? You're going to bring judgment on Israel? You're going to bring judgment on Israel? Do you not remember the few righteous people that are left? Do you not remember them and the fact that they've been faithful? Do you not remember them? And God says to him, uh, or Habakkuk goes on to say, You make men like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He's talking about the Babylonians and how they raided cities. He gathers them in his scene. So he rejoices and exults. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his scene. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly slaying nations forever? God, or Habakkuk is asking God, what are you going to do about Babylon? What are you going to do about Babylon? And the fact that they take advantage and kill everybody. And when he's talking about a net here, those old Babylonians had a military tactic. They would ride through these places when people were in disarray. And they had these big nets, and they would literally scoop people up in their nets and wrap them around the pommel of their horse's saddle or around the chariot and drag them off. And though I guess the ones that were not dead, when they got to where they're going, would, they would make them their slaves. And that's why he says you use your net to gather them in so that you can live in luxury. They take from good people, and they enjoy it and mock the good people. We live in, we live in that kind of a world today. We have a, a government now and a leadership that takes far or more out of your pocket than you realize. A lot of us probably do. We live in the same type of world today. And while they might not take you physically or with a net, they're controlling, they seek to control how you think, how you worship, who or what you worship, and when you do it. You see, independence of thought and independence of action that our country has traditionally been been about it comes from God they don't like that because it's a godly principle an independent dependence on God so they would catch them up in their nets and take them off and use them to their advantage to kill them to steal from them to to enslave them and I thought of a picture here of what Jesus does God's mercy and grace you know he says cast your your net on this side of the boat and you'll take up a great harvest of fish but before that he said I come to make you fishers of men. God seeks to catch us up in his net of mercy and grace and salvation. Amen. 
while the world and Satan, who leads nations like Babylon and Russia, that seek to destroy for their own ungodly purposes, God seeks to catch us up in his bed of salvation to restore us and to rescue us in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see that picture there? That's the difference. So we got to remember, we've got to have something here that Habakkuk would talk about and Paul would quote Habakkuk on twice. In Hebrews, in Galatians, there's one thing that's going to get us through. There's one thing that's going to get us through. I love this book. It's just such a, a vivid book of pictures. You can almost see these things happening. Verse chapter 2, I will take my stand to watch and station myself on the tower and look forth to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk puts it all out there, lays it all out there when, when he's being candid and being honest and he's waiting to hear from God. Let me tell you something. If you seek God out, you will hear from God at some point. He says, I will take my stand and I will listen and I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Habakkuk says, write this vision, make it plain upon tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. Be patient, he's saying. Habakkuk, you're bound up in time. We're bound up in time. You know, we, we do everything in a understanding, in a, uh, you know, consciousness of time. God doesn't operate within time. He enters time. He will bring time to fruition and to its completion, and then all things will be eternal, either in heaven or in hell. Time will be no more. So we won't have to be in a rush in heaven. We won't have to struggle to get from here to there in heaven. It'll just be right now. Right now. 10,000 years will be right now. 10 million years when we get there will be right now. It will always be the present. And the present will be perfect. And we will be in the presence of God himself. So he says, Habakkuk, write this down, be patient, and wait. I have not lied to you. That's what he's telling us today. We may think, well, the Lord ain't coming. We see all these things happening. The Lord ain't coming. These things ain't going to happen. We get impatient for it. God has not lied to us. God has not led us astray. They will happen in his time. So he goes on to say, if it seems slow, Habakkuk, wait for it. It will come. It will not delay. Behold, he whose soul is not upright in him shall fail. You better make sure your soul is upright. The soul shall fail, but the righteous shall live by his faith. That's the key to this whole book. Amen. The key to the Bible, the key to, to, the key to eternity. The righteous shall live by faith. You know what's going to get you through next week, teachers, when you go back in this year? Faith. God is not going to tell you something and forget his promise or promise you something and forget it. Uh, as we go through this world and we see the challenges ahead of us, especially as Christians, you know what's going to get us through it? Faith. You know what's going to cause God to act in our church and to move and maybe even see revival? Revival, faith. 
faith. Faith is made evident in action. Faith is made evident in what we do, what we say, and how we do it. You being here today, you have exercised faith. You being here today, you've exercised faith. If you prayed any this past week, read your Bible, you're exercising faith. If you say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm suffering. I need relief from this. I need, I need help. I'm scared. That's okay to be scared. It's okay to be fearful. But Lord, I trust you for the future and for the best outcome of this situation. Faith. Faith moves God. Faith is the victory. And Habakkuk says that even though he didn't understand he got impatient he wondered what god was doing and didn't understand it and questioned it faith the righteous shall live by his faith and habakkuk would figure this out and i want to skip over to uh, chapter three here for time purposes god is saying to habakkuk and that is the, the struggle of all prophets. True prophets are not going to come to you and tell you that the way things are right now, everything's going to be okay. That you're going to, you know, end up with a four-car garage, and if you do this, then you're going to get to move over to the Chattahoochee Country Club and all this kind of stuff. That's, that's not a prophet. A prophet's going to tell you the truth about who God is, and what God does and how he's going to do it. Or a preacher, let me say that. I don't really believe there's prophets in our day. We've already had the prophets. There may be one, uh, Jonathan Kahn, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, he's going to tell you the truth, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to sting. And it ain't going to fill up pews, and it ain't going to bring in a lot of money, and it's not going to make you a mega church. but none of that stuff matters. What matters is faith. That's why God said, Jesus said, we're two or more gathered in my name, I will be also. Because they're exercising faith. You're going to tell you the truth, and then you're going to get to the good part where the truth is, is that God will rescue those who will be rescued. God will rescue those who live by faith. Paul would quote verbatim in Hebrews 10, 38, and over in Galatians, I think, 3, 11, the words of Habakkuk, this obscure prophet. Now, if Paul's quoting somebody, then we should take note of that because it is God's word. The righteous shall live by faith. So God's basically telling Habakkuk and trying to get across to the nation, I'm fixing to bring the Babylonians on you. You won't listen to me. You run away from me. You seek all these other religions and all these other political ideologies. I'm going to bring the Babylonians and all their terror upon you because it's the only way that I can uh, punish you. It's the only way that I can get your attention. That's why we've had the issues that we've had with COVID and with the, the terrorist attacks and all these other things going on and the leadership that we have now, God's trying to get people's attention of what sin can and will do. I think he's angry about it. I think he's angry about it. Like we saw this morning when he, when he's, when God has been so gracious and good to us down through the years and down through the centuries even, that we would forget him and wonder why these things happen when he said it over and over and over again. And we've seen examples in the world of it over and over and over again. But nevertheless, 
the key is to be steadfast and faithful. And no matter what happens, God knows where we're at. He knows who we are. And the wicked, in every scheme, in every evil deed, in every motivations of their evil heart, if they will not repent, will be held accountable. Will be held accountable. Vladimir Putin has got to answer to Almighty God one day, as all the other despots in the world. Joe Biden is going to have to answer to Almighty God. You name it, any despot, any tyrant will have to answer to Almighty God, including the Babylonians here. When Habakkuk heard this, he said in verse 16 of chapter 3, I hear and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My steps teeter and totter beneath me. I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people, to come upon people who invade us. While he understood that it was God's judgment, he also sought that God would deal with in judgment, the people who would invade and do what they would do to those people. I think when Habakkuk heard this, what he was doing is he, he had a wave of panic go through him. He had a wave of humility toward God and, he, and maybe even fear. He says, my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My steps totter but I will quietly wait for the day of trouble. He's coming to a point where he is really submitting to God and saying, God, your will be done. That's a, that's a heck of a place to get to and a tough place to get to. God, your will be done. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North